Wonderful. You may be seated. Thank you very much for participating in uh, hearty singing and worship and uh, Alan over there disrupting the whole flow. I, I heard you, Alan, and uh, clapping on the offbeat and hissing on the S. And it's like seventh grade boy in the middle of the worship service. And we've got a few of you in here. Uh, uh, I'm gonna, we're going to send you out to check on the parking lot next time we sing that song. Uh, you notice, a little darker in here, oh, the, the, the stage uh, set props are gone. Uh, that's because t- tonight, this afternoon, we start decorating for Christmas. So uh, if, you're, if you're the person who loves to decorate, uh, is that 4 o'clock? 4 o'clock this afternoon, 4 o'clock, we're going to start decorating. It'll be about an hour, hour and a half probably to put all the Christmas trees up and, and flock the windows and whatever else we got to do. But if you want to come and participate, see about 4 o'clock tonight, you know, come cash, no child care. Uh, uh, nothing like that, just a bunch of workers showing up to work, so uh, if you're bringing your kids, make sure they can work and not, not, not destroy it as fast as we put it up, okay, you know the drill. All right, so uh, let's talk about generosity for a little bit, and uh, this is a, a great moment for us because with 350 million people in our nation, and really beyond our nation, but just in our nation, as those millions of families gather this week. And you just think about what's happening in, in your country right now. Millions of families will be gathering this week. In grandma's house or grandpa's house, you know, mom and dad's house or coming to the kid's house and everybody's getting together. And, and as a nation, all of these families are going to begin to give thanks. We're going to celebrate this week. Holiday season has officially begun now. Even for you Scrooges, it's on. And we're, we're now entering the beginning of it, and it begins with the season of Thanksgiving where we celebrate our blessings. But I want to ask you some questions about Thanksgiving and about just the concept of what we're about to do. What gift that you ha- have enjoyed didn't come from God? This is kind of the Bible's take on this, which is why we're in church this morning. What, what do you have that didn't come as a gift from God. Here's what the book of James says in James chapter 1 verse 7. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Comes down from the Father of heavenly. It's coming down from God. Every good gift. So everything you can think of that's good in your life, that good thing came down from God. Peace is not just about stuff. It's about peace and love and grace and forgiveness and joy and happiness and health. We, we were, yesterday Susan was yelling at me because she's taking a nap on the couch for about an hour after an exhausting day of watching football. And uh, uh, she, she was scolding me because I was running through the house singing some stupid song and I woke her up and so she scolded me. And uh, we went for a walk after, after she got up, and so we were doing our miles last night. I said, well, if you think it's noisy now, with just me singing, wait 48 hours, because when the boys descend back on the house, uh, bringing their dogs and their friends and their hobos and whatever else they've collected on the way, who knows what our home will look like in a few hours. It'll be, it'll, it'll be pure pandemonium later this week, trust me. We're going, to have, we're going to get the house all clean. We're going to get all the pantry stocked. And they'll come through like two hurricanes with all... It, it, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. And you know what? We wouldn't have it any other way. You, you're about to go meet with family you haven't seen maybe. And maybe you're dreading a little bit of that. But you know what? You really wouldn't have it any other way. And I just want to make you pause. Hit the brakes for just a minute this morning. And think about what's about to happen this week. Everything good you're about to celebrate has one source. It came down from the Father above as a gift to you. And I love to to just mention this before we celebrate, you know, and say, God, thank you for food. And we're going to put away some groceries this week, aren't we? I mean, I'm planning. I got two huge turkeys, shoving them things in the fryer. We're going to eat like, like... you know, Henry VIII this week at our house. And I think everybody wants some normalcy. I think that's why everything went up early. I think that's why, I think people right now are craving 
for some similitude of happiness with our friends and our family. It brings security. You know what I'm saying? You drag out all the Christmas ornaments that have memories tied to them. You're putting things on the tree that your kids made. Bring some normalcy and some peace and some, some joy to your life in a moment when you really need it. But before we give thanks for food and homes and clothes and cars and, and toys and stuff, Christians need to celebrate with thankfulness for the big gift that makes all the little gifts possible in our life. In a few weeks, I'll preach from John 3.16. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. I'll let you help me with the next words. He, perhaps the greatest statement in human history on generosity. For God so loved the world. I don't want to preach that sermon. It's coming in two weeks, but he gave. For me, it's just such a powerful statement. How can I, Bobby Harrell, claim to be an image bearer of Almighty God? How can I claim to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, a Christian, a Christ-like person, unless I am growing in generosity? Unless I'm reflecting the very nature of my Heavenly Father, how can I claim to be of my Heavenly Father? Let me ask you just a couple of challenging questions as we start the message. How would you describe your growth as a generous giver? If you had to kind of just make a little timeline real quick, just a few sentences and say, you know, here's where I was and here's some things that happened and here's, part, here's what my journey looks like as a generous giver. Would you have a story to tell? Now, I'm just looking around the room and I'm seeing some people and I've heard your story. You've got a story to tell. You were not a generous giver. But then you went on a journey with Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit began to transform your life. And you could tell the story of what your journey has been like. Let me ask it a different way. What trials and blessings have helped you become a generous person? Do you realize that some of the hard things you went through were the very things that are caused you to be transformed to be a generous person? I hate to even admit this out loud, but sometimes you have to do without to know what it feels like not to have. And when you know what it feels like not to have, sure makes you generous and thankful when you have. You know, it's one thing not to have because you don't have, but it's another thing not to have because so you, you can't give. I think one of the, the heartbreaks that my parents went through, we were, now listen, we went through some tough times. I'm talking, I remember days when you opened the pantry and there was nothing in it. No thing in it. I don't know if you can remember a time like that. I don't know if you can remember a time when you get to this holiday season and you're thinking forward, but you know your family's so poor. There will not be any gifts. We're barely surviving my dad stood in line that week to get cheese that they were giving away free from the government that week so we had we had about a 10 pound block of Velveeta we didn't know what to do with but we ate it because we had it you know and you can buy some pasta pretty cheap melt it and put it on it we were the house where people rang the doorbell and brought bags of groceries from another church miles and miles away and said, we know y'all are going through a hard time. See if there's anything in these bags for your children. And you think, how pitiful. Listen, I remember dumping those black trash bags in the living room. Those bags that you would drop at Goodwill. I remember dumping them out in the living room floor. And trying on every single pair of clothes. Because I thought it was the coolest thing ever. I would not want to relive that moment of my life. It sucked. But I can tell you, it's part of the journey to learn to give. And I hope maybe you don't have to go through it that way. But it's part of my story, and I don't tell it so you'll feel, gosh, how pitiful and how sad Pastor is. It's just a chapter in life, but it taught something about now that I have... I realize it's not all for me to have more. 
I tried to put a shirt in my closet the other day, and there were so many shirts there, I couldn't wedge another shirt in there. Now, I know I'm just talking to me and none of y'all right now. I'm just confessing my sins, and if y'all get convicted along the way, it's a whole other matter. I mean, I literally had a shirt on a hanger, and I needed to put it in there somewhere, and I had, I had to push the clothes apart to wedge it in because you couldn't get another something in there. And I'm like, Susan, we got to throw away some clothes. we got to give away some stuff. This is ridiculous. Go look at that and just see what you haven't worn in three years. and get, just, Somebody might need that. I'm just saying that's part of my journey and not part of your journey. But I don't, I don't ever want to forget what it's like not to have because I know there's a world filled with people who don't have right now. So as we're thinking about stuff and we're giving thanks, I want you to pause and remember Gosh, I have a closet overflowing in a pantry. I, had to, I, I went through it yesterday and found expired things. Anybody ever have to go through the pantry and just look at dates? You know, I did that yesterday. I, I'm embarrassed right now of myself to tell you that I threw away a garbage bag full of stuff out of the refrigerator and out of the pantry and out of the freezer. I just went through it all yesterday. And, of course, as soon as I threw it in there, Mom was pulling back out. This is still good. We can get another year out of this. It's only expired, it's only one year out of expiration. It won't kill you. And I know why she's that way, because there was a day there was no cans in the pantry. And it just breaks your heart to have to realize you bought stuff and didn't need it. And now you're having to throw it, throw it away because it's all expired. That's my journey, it's not yours. And I know I'm not trying to put my guilt on you. But I had to throw food away yesterday. And as I threw it away, I'm a little embarrassed but then again, I also want to give thanks to God because I've got, a, I've got stuff. Boy, that's not my problem. I've got stuff and you've got stuff. But let's remember the bigger gift is not stuff. The bigger gift is what God gave to us. And you might even ask yourself, why do we give gifts? It's not our birthday we're celebrating. Why do, how did this ever happen that Christmas became this gift-giving season? It's not our birthday. Why are we getting gifts? Well, the answer is really found in for God so loved, he gave. We do give and receive gifts to celebrate Christ's birth because the entire Christmas season, the birth, it's all about gifts. It's all about a gift that God gave, and it's all about then gifts that we give and receive because generous giving is the way we express our love for Christ and our love for one another. And our love for one another. So if you get a Christmas gift, listen, know that somebody loves you. And it's not about how much it costs and it's not about how extravagant it is. If it's a card, at least somebody thought of you. You know, hopefully I'll get some. Usually now that it's, it's not those traditional cards. Now it's all pictures of your family we get. And, you know, in the mail, you'll go take a picture and there's some sentiment there. And that's the new Christmas card. Listen, we'll, we'll see you on our wall at home all throughout these weeks. And we'll pray for you. And we'll think of you. And we'll know we're loved. And you'll know that you're loved when you send that card to us. Because we'll be thinking and praying of you. But let me move quickly here. I want you to consider this morning the big gift. And I want you to consider there are gifts within the gift. Christmas is all about gifts. Because Christmas started with a gift. It's a gift that led to a million more gifts. For instance, have you ever received, there's this large gift under the tree with your name on it. You don't know what it is. It's a huge box. And you're like, wow, I've got something really big and really expensive and this is going to be awesome. And then when you open that box, there's a bunch of small gifts inside the gift. You open the big gift and in there, there's a bunch of of little gifts. And I see the grins on your faces because some of you have wrapped that probably for someone else. And if you're like our devious family, they may throw a few bricks in there and who knows what's in there just to make it heavy and make it sound a certain way. My maternal grandfather loved giving gifts within gifts. This is the way he was. He was wired this way. You always wanted to get a wallet from him. It would never be empty. And I remember opening a wallet and there was a $100 bill in that wallet. That's the kind of gift that has a gift in it. And yet I looked in every other compartment of that wallet just to make sure there were no more hundreds <laughs> stashed in there. Uh, my, my, my grandfather once 
He used to tell you, give you a jacket. And then he'd just sit back there as you tried it on and grin at you. Because he knew there was more. And as you zipped it up and looked in the mirror, and he, oh, there's something in the pocket. And you open the pockets, and there's a glo- two gloves, you know, a glove for each hand. How cool. And if you didn't put the gloves on, he'd wait a little bit, and he might say, try those gloves on and see if they fit. Twinkle, twinkle in his eye, you know. And you put your hand in those gloves, and there's some papers. Forgot to take all the packing out, evidently. And when you pull the packing out, there's 20s down in the fingers. Now, he's, he loved to put gifts inside the gift. And, and, and here's what I want to illustrate for you. Contained in the gift of Jesus Christ are all the other gifts that make life worth living. In Christ is everything else that we need to have a prosperous life that is truly life. When you read the New Testament, you can't escape giving, gave, gifts. This language just permeates the New Testament Scripture. Let me read Romans 8, 8.32. Here's what the Scripture says. He who did not spare his own son, that'd be God. God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with giving us Jesus, not graciously give us all things? You see what the scripture is saying? If God would give you his only begotten son, if God would give you himself in this way, as this expression of love, really you're worried about a a car, a, a turkey, a tree, some toys? No, if God would give you his son, will he not graciously give you all things? So let me ask you a question. What does all things entail? You see the point? I mean, we're so used to exclusions. When I hear a TV commercial, the guy talks real fast at the end. Not counting tax, title, license, blah, 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 blah. all the disclaimers, the fine print. Listen, there's no fine print. There's no disclaimer. God will graciously give you all things except happiness, joy, love, job, a car, peace, contentment, and a loving spouse. Other than that, he'll give you everything. No, that's not what it says. What you need emotionally, what you need spiritually, what you need to live materially, God will graciously give you all things. And I want you to think of the depth of God's love this morning. His love for you moved him to act out of that love, to demonstrate his love through the giving process. And the gift that God gave was of such selflessness. The gift was so priceless. Humanity's greatest gift was when God gave himself. And in that act of giving, God became what he was not. He became fully human. He had not been fully human. But in that moment of Christmas that we're about to celebrate, God gave a gift and that gift entailed God becoming in the person of Jesus fully human so that humans could become what we were always intended to be, the living images of of God. And when we receive Jesus Christ, there are a million gifts inside of that gift. I'll give you just a couple very quickly, and I can't do it extensively for sake of time, but here's one gift that's in the gift. God now adopts all of those who believe into his family. There's one of your gifts that God gave you in Christ. We become sons and daughters of God by adoption. Adoption becomes our gift. I can't remember what we were watching. Susan and I were watching some show the other day, and it's about a girl in an orphanage, and families would come and get kids, and it wasn't her. I can't imagine the heartbreak of that moment to see a young couple come into the orphanage and choose someone other than you. It's like much more devastating not getting picked for the dodgeball team, you know what I'm saying, or the basketball team when we square off. But the devastating feeling of not being chosen Yet when God sent his son and said, if you'll take my son, I'll take all of you. God says yes to all of us. Matter of fact, he said he will not leave us orphans. In Galatians chapter 4, it says, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption to sonship. We aren't just sons and daughters in name. We are sons and daughters who receive the full blessing 
and the full power of God. And God's saying to you, I'm on your side, or we are one family, or we are connected in relationship. He's granted us full life here and now and eternal life to come. And as sons and daughters, the gifts just keep on coming to his kids. The Holy Spirit is one of those gifts, clearly called a gift in the New Testament. John 16, but verily, truly, I tell you, this is Jesus speaking, it is good for you that I'm going away. Jesus began to tell the disciples, I'm leaving. Don't be sad, I'm leaving. I'm trying to tell you in advance so you don't get devastated when it happens. I'm leaving you, and it's good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, it's the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Think about this for a minute. It's a paradox. Paradoxically, Jesus said, I'm going to continue to give to you even though I'm taken away from you. As a matter of fact, paradoxically, it's going to be better for you for me to leave than for me to stay here with you. It's an advantage for you because right now I'm bound in this body to one's place and time. I'm localized, and if I'm here with you, I can't be over there with them. Or I can't be over there with them in Rome. Or I can't be over them with them in, in Galatia or, or, or Colossae or Ephesus or America. But if I go away, I can send my Holy Spirit and he can be in all of you at the same time. Receiving the gift of Jesus Christ means the triune God now lives within all who believe. By the Spirit, God gives himself in such a way to us that he's not only with us, kind of in a general sense here, with us in the room, but he's in us individually Romans chapter 5 talks about this and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit how did we get him he's been given to us he's one of the gifts in the gift when you take Jesus Christ God says I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit Paul elaborated in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 but we have received not the spirit of the world and then he uses a capital S right here in the Bible, just so you know, this is the Holy Spirit. But we have received the Holy Spirit, who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. It's all about a gift. And in that gift of Jesus, check the pockets. The Holy Spirit's in here. Check the wallet. You've got more than you think you got. The Holy Spirit's going to come and live with you so you're never alone. Now, there's a lot of implications to having the Holy Spirit in you. This is how we become a new humanity modeled after Jesus. The Spirit enables us to live out our vocation as image bearers of God. We become more fully human. That's challenging language. We become more fully human when we yield control of our lives, our minds, our wills, our talents, our gifts, when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit of God, He begins a transformation process on us. And it lasts, uh, we're still being transformed, it just lasts forever, but you're being slowly transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in your life to transform you to be like Jesus Christ is called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is that overflowing evidence flowing out of your life that is evidence that there is a transformation going on in your life continually. And we call that fruit. It just kind of flows out of your life. You don't generate it. The Spirit of God generates. Let me read from Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is. Now what I'm about to read is the stuff that should be flowing out of your life. Love, joy, peace. Can I pause right here and say to you, That pessimism is not compatible with Christianity? Do you see the fruit of the Spirit? It's not complaining and pessimism and doom and gloom and it's horrible and it's going to end badly. That is not the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Well, what could be more optimistic than that? Love, joy, and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Well, of course not. That should should just flow out of us now. 
Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's part of our transformation process. We die to self. We let the Holy Spirit transform our lives. 25, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Now, a few weeks ago I said, you know, I likened it to this. We need to learn to see it as Jesus sees it. We might say, I don't see it that way, and Jesus wants us to see it his way. Here it's illustrated as keeping in step with. I saw a bunch of you guys went to a dance thing the other night where you did dance lessons. I bet there were some toes that stepped on in those moments and some awkwardness in those moments. Uh, and if you ever see people who can really dance together, they've gotten to know each other. A dance partner, it's a very intimate thing where you get to know how each other moves. Susan and I took salsa lessons and just we're, we're clumsy and awkward. We raised Baptists. We weren't allowed to dance. So it's kind of a, at 50 when you try to take salsa lessons, it's a whole, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there were some toes stepped on and some feelings hurt and some awkwardness. The more we try to dance together and understand how each other's body moves, the more we can stay in step with each other. Is that fair? You say, well, my wife and I can't dance because you don't dance. And if you will dance, and you'll keep on dancing, eventually you'll get in step with each other. Is that fair? You know what God wants us to do? Get in step with the Holy Spirit, please. And it's not right for us to say to the Holy Spirit, sorry, I don't dance. The Holy Spirit says, well, I'm trying to teach you, but you're just stepping all over me. You're just you're called quenching the Spirit. I'm trying to teach you how to move in peace, love, joy goodness, gentleness. I'm trying to teach you how to live out the life of I'm trying to teach you how to be transformed into the image of Christ. But don't step on me. Get in step with me. Step with me. I know what you want to say, but don't say that. I know what you want to respond. Don't do that. I know how your nature is. Let's overcome that. Now, there are going to have to be some sensitivity with your partner you know what I'm saying? You can't. How about this? Let the Holy Spirit lead. Not you. You know our problem? Go ahead and tell them, Susan. She wants to lead. <laughs> she wants to lead. And we'll be going along and all of a sudden like, you're leading, not following. And she says, well, why can't I lead for a while? I'm like, it doesn't work that way. I think a lot of us spiritually need to hear from the Holy Spirit today and let God tell you, you've been trying to lead and still have a transformed life. It doesn't work that way. You're going to have to give, David said, the reins, because they were in a horse society. He said, God, I give you the reins. It's kind of like Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel. You know what I'm saying? Take control of this. I, I, I can't do it. Listen, get in step with the Holy Spirit. The fruit is produced by the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Living in us, working in us, us listening, getting in step with the Holy Spirit. When we do that, he's transforming us. This is what our discipleship is all about here and about accountability and just helping us grow and letting that fruit. Now, the fruit's not to remain just in you. God wants you to live in peace, love, and joy. But he also wants that fruit to flow out of you for others to enjoy. To be a ble Don't just be blessed. This is a good Thanksgiving thought. Don't just be blessed. Be a blessing to others. That's generosity. Uh, we, staff's been reading several books on generosity as we got ready for this season. One of the statements that was in there that struck us is this. But the filling, the fruit, and the gifts are dynamic streams of God's own generosity. So that any attempt to use them selfishly goes against their nature. All of these things that God has given as gifts to us were not meant for us to use selfishly. That goes against the nature of the gift. See, living in God's generosity moves our focus from self to neighbor. From self, he begins to focus us on others. And we're commanded to share Really, everything he's given us, we're commanded to share. We're commanded to share the gospel. We're commanded to share our lives. We're commanded to share our time, our talent, our resources. 
Really, we're commanded to be like Jesus, who blessed everyone with his generous life. For those who are saved, it's just worth reminding ourselves this morning, your life is a gift. Your very life is a gift from God. Everything you are, every blessing, every opportunity you have, you have in life. Gosh, Rick, Rick, where are you at? Wortley? You're in the room. I know I saw you. Rick and I were just talking in the foyer about some of the blessings that we've had to lead people to Christ, to travel, to do missions work together. We're just rejoicing right out there a few minutes ago. You know, and at the time, Rick, we, we talked about years ago when we were doing the big crusades and leading the thousands to Christ overseas. There may come a time when we can't travel like this. Let's, let's go. And we went all out. This church spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. We led hundreds of thousands of people to Christ. And you know what? We can't travel right now. The day has now come. Haven't been able to travel all this year. Barely could travel last year with some of the things that were happening. Don't know if we'll be traveling next year. I look back at those memories, Rick, and I say, no regrets, no regrets. I'm glad we did what we could do when we could do it. And praying that God will open a door where we can do that kind of thing yet again. But every experience has been a gift from God. Every relationship is a gift from God. Everything you're enjoying is God's generosity to you. Let's talk about quickly the generous, really the gospel generosity link that God has set up for us. Have you ever thought about what it means that God's grace is a gift to you and that you didn't deserve it? For by grace are you saved through faith. You didn't deserve it. God loved you and his grace is a gift to you. It means, it means for us at this Thanksgiving you can't be entitled. You're not allowed to be entitled. It means that Jesus' lordship and direction over your life is absolute. And the more we push against his lordship, the less abundant life we're going to experience. The more that you demand your rights above obedience to Christ, the more you lose out on life that is truly life. The gospel is the central message of the Bible. And the further you go with God, the more you come to appreciate the gospel itself. And the more you appreciate the gospel itself the more you live out of Christ's abundance. There's a direct link between God's generosity and the gospel of Jesus Christ that you have received that saved you. You see, you and I, let's go back to what we talked about during the lockdown in the Heaven and Earth series. We talked about this extensively. You and I are meant to reflect God's image. That's why we were created, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We were meant to be in the image of God. And we are created uniquely to be like God and to do for God in this world. This is our God-given vocation. And as we fill our vocation, as we live out our vocation, we are like angled mirrors. We reflect God to this world and we reflect this world's praise and glory back to the creator who gave it to us. There's a direct link between generosity and the gospel. Genesis 3 teaches us very clearly that the humans, the first humans, Adam and Eve is what I mean. The first human rebellion created a relational rift between humans and God. I think you have been taught this and understand this. And something happened when that relationship was torn apart. And as a result, all of humanity, everybody who followed Adam and Eve, joined hands with the first humans in their rebellion against God. And because of our rebellion against God, we failed to meet his holy standards. And because of that, there's a term for that, we are called sinners. Sin is the term that describes our Rebellion, our actions against God. And I think it's good to remind ourselves that sinners aren't people outside of the church. I'm not talking about people somewhere else in Fort Worth or Tarrant County or somewhere else and maybe in Russia or China. When I talk about sinners, I mean you and I. 
Romans chapter 3 says this, The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is a gift that's given to all who believe. There is no difference then between the Jew and the Gentile so far as sin is concerned. And you'll clarify, watch 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We've all joined hands with Adam and Eve in rebellion against God. In a sense, what we know as humans really aren't. The less than humans that we know are actually humans marred and broken. Marred and broken versions of what God created. We aren't born now fully human because we're born into this world spiritually dead, according to the book of Romans. Our intended purpose was to be faithful image bearers of God, but when sin entered, our spiritual connection with God was severed. And when that spiritual connection was severed, our sin created death. And spiritual death then produced physical death because we are no longer connected to a source of life, which is God. I'm painting humanity in a bad condition here on purpose. We are something less than fully human. And without living into our vocation as image bearers, those less than humans, born naturally into this world as sinners, we're like the original zombies. We're the living dead. We're spiritually dead people who are in a living body. But the living body reaches maturity and then hastens a path right towards the grave in decline. We're like living dead people. Something needed to change. Something had to happen to correct this problem. Now, we just preached through the covenant series and told you how the covenants build and what God was doing throughout all of the scripture. The whole story of the Bible shows us that God is working to get the human project back on track. He has worked through a specific family, Adam, Noah, Abraham. Then he works through a specific people, Israelites, Mosaic Covenant. Then he works through a specific family again, King David. And then we get to the New Covenant and God works through a specific man who actually is God giving himself as a gift to humanity. Jesus is the fullest expression of God's characteristics. A lot of times people want to debate me about what God is like. God is sovereign or God is just or God is holy or God demands this or God punishes that. Listen, if you want to know what God's like, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about Jesus Christ because Jesus is the fullest expression of who God is. And the one who was the best friend of Jesus ultimately penned in his epistles, the best way I know to describe it is God is love. There is the greatest attribute of God. God is is love. Jesus is the type of human that all humans were supposed to be. Can you imagine a world filled with Jesuses? Can you imagine how wonderful it would be? We could get rid of deadbolts and locks. We could, go, we, we could get to a whole new world. We could transform the world. We could get rid of safes and, and security boxes and we get rid of locks and keys altogether. We just go to a push-button society where a push-button starts everything. and You don't need a lock anymore. Why? Because everybody's like Jesus. Nobody's going to get your stuff. Everybody loves their neighbor as their self. Listen, Jesus is the human that we were all supposed to be. And I pray the type of human you actually want to be. Because that is the type of human the Holy Spirit wants to transform you into being. Let me, let me close with this thought this morning. Can one gift make a difference? Can one gift make a difference? In the same way that Adam's rebellion impacted all of mankind, I'll read you the verse of how that happened in just a moment. Jesus' sacrifice was powerful enough to offer grace to every human, to everyone who would believe, confess their sins, and follow Jesus as Lord of their lives. We're set up with two people, Adam as bringing the curse upon all men, and the new Adam, Jesus, as lifting the curse, if you will receive him. It's a big gift. And make him the Lord of your life. Here's the way Paul described this in the book of Romans. Let me read from Romans 5. 
verse number 12. Therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man, that's Adam, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all have sinned because we're all Adam's kids. We join hands with our parents, Adam and Eve, in rebellion against God. That's exactly what I've described to you. Verse 15. But the gift, here comes that language again. (laughs) The gift God wants to give you, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of Adam, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many 17 for if by the trespass of one man adam death reigned through that one man how much more will those who received god's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man jesus christ listen if if adam could bring you death God said, I'm giving you a gift through Jesus Christ, the second Adam, the final Adam. I'm bringing you a gift that can undo sin and death, that can undo all of that, and that can turn darkness to light and sin to righteousness. I'm giving you the ultimate gift in Jesus Christ. His life perfectly met the holy standards of God. He lived a perfect life, is what I'm saying. Met fully the standards of God. He is what a human was supposed to be. He showed us what it was to be an image bearer. He said once, I do always those things which please the Father. I'm reflecting God to you. That's what you and I were always meant to be. Through his sacrifice on the cross and through his resurrection, he's enabling us now to live the same way. So the gospel... The good news about Jesus Christ is a gift because Jesus is a gift. This gift is received by believing in faith. And by believing in faith, God grants you this gift of salvation. And you know salvation is a gift because you can't do it yourself. It has to be given to you. There's a great verse on this in the Bible. I'm going to read it to you. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved. just means you can't earn it, you can't do it yourself. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Watch these words. It is the gift of God. Not of works. So that no one could boast. This morning, I want to challenge you. Never think that your generosity doesn't matter. Never think that your generosity is a small thing. It's a big thing. Anytime we act like God, it's a big thing. And you may think, well, I don't have much, so my generosity and my giving is small or my generosity is small or my talents are small or my time uh, to give is small. And it doesn't really matter. Never think that it doesn't matter. Never think that the gift God wants you to give. J.D., you and I have talked a lot about this. If God says to you, give this, it matters. Because it matters to God or he wouldn't have told you to give it. And it matters to somebody else who's going to receive the gift or be a beneficiary of of the act of generosity because you don't have no idea what's working. Listen, nobody, those people who knocked on our door one day with trash bags full of clothes had no idea I'd be a pastor And 50 years later, I'd be standing on a platform encouraging a whole group of Christians to be generous because their act touched my life. Does that make sense? So you have no idea what kind of legs there are to your generosity. You say, it's just a shoebox. It's got a doll in it. Barbie's in there and and some pencils and some socks. And you know what? It may change somebody's life. You just don't know. You just don't know. If God moves you to an act of generosity, never think it's a small matter. It may change someone's life. Can I make it a little more personal? Never think that your spiritual gift doesn't matter. Now I'm talking about when you got saved, the Holy Spirit gave you a spiritual gift. You know, encouragement, giving, pastoring, uh, administration. I mean, all kinds of gifts were given to you. Talents, whatever you call them. 
things that God did in your life. Never think that your spiritual gift doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, I'm begging you. We need everyone to use their spiritual gifts at Cornerstone. Listen carefully. Especially, especially those of you who have the gifts of giving. If there's ever a moment you were needed in the history of this church, it's right now. Because we're trying to minister to so many people who are hurting. We need a massive amount of giving. If you have the spiritual gift of edification, the easier word is encouragement. Some of you have the spiritual gift of encouragement. If you have that gift, would you please unleash it? Unleash the kraken and let it rip. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying turn it loose and and let's see what happens. Can you imagine what would happen in a congregation if those who had the cracking of encouragement let her loose and just let it go and see, see what came out of the sea to attack us all with love and encouragement, edification and support. If there's ever a time in the history of our community where people are just fearful, scared, none of us know what tomorrow looks like. And that causes people to be apprehensive and scared and suspicious and a million other things. Unleash your encouragement upon us. Edify, encourage, put your arms around, send notes to people, send texts to people. Listen, love people, love people, just, just go over the top. If you have the gift of pastoring, and there's a little, just so you know in the Bible, it doesn't mean this necessarily. The gift of pastoring in the Bible, we call it shepherding on the spiritual gifts test. It means you know how to, almost every small group leader here has some sense of that. You have a small group of people and you love them and you pray for them and you shepherd them and you look out for them and you you care for them. Listen, if you have the spiritual gift of shepherding, please unleash it. Don't say, well, I'm I'm just not very, it's my gift's not very developed. Listen, let it go. Turn it loose. If there's ever a time in the history of our community and our church where people needed someone just to put their arms around them and pray with them and love them and shepherd them, it is that moment. Those three gifts in particular are on my heart this week. Listen, God's people need a tremendous amount of love, encouraging, and giving. Let me ask you, can one gift make a difference? One gift made a difference in my life. When God loved me so much that he gave his only begotten son, forever transform my life. And not just this life, the one to come. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. Let me, let me challenge you with a couple of things before we go home. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, that gift has been offered to you freely. And you can freely receive it this morning. I want to talk to you in just a moment, but first let me talk to those who've already received Christ as their Savior. Somewhere in these moments this morning, the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart. Whether it's about letting the Holy Spirit have free reign and you getting in step with the Spirit of God this week. It's awkward at first, just like Susan and I stepped on each other's toes a little bit. But you know what? The longer you let the Holy Spirit lead and you try to get in step, eventually you'll find the rhythm. And eventually you begin to step right in step with the Spirit of God who wants to produce His fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. And He wants that to flow out of your life. He doesn't want to just bless you. That's part of it. He doesn't merely want to bless you. He wants to make a blessing out of you so that you bless everyone you come in contact with. Would you say, listen, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. He's right there in your heart if you've received Christ. Have you spoken to him lately? Why don't right now just everyone say to the Spirit of Almighty God, say, Holy Spirit of God, I'm sorry I ignore you. And I'm sorry I step on your toes. And I'm sorry I don't let you lead. But if you'll be patient with me, I want to try to start over. And get in step with you. I haven't told you lately that I appreciate you. You are God's gift in my life. You're God living in me. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for living in me. 
please speak to me. Don't stop. Please encourage me. Don't stop. Let me have spiritual ears to to hear what you're saying in my life so I can be transformed as a generous image bearer of Almighty God. If you've never received Christ as your Savior this morning, I want you to know it's simply done by an act of faith. A prayer of faith is how we live that out. In other words, we, we pray to God. We say, God, I receive Jesus Christ as my Savior. It's just an act of your will. It's not easy at first because you need to acknowledge what I told you this morning is true. You have to say, Lord, I understand I'm a sinner. And if you're willing to confess that and you're willing to receive in faith Jesus as your Savior, He'll come into your heart this morning and He'll forgive your sins and He'll save you. If you've never done that, I want you to pray with me right now. I'll help you with the prayer. My prayer is not magic words, but what saves you is believing in your heart as you pray this prayer to God. Pray something like this, dear God. I bow before you this day and I need to confess something to you. God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. And I know you know that already, but I needed to say that to you. I acknowledge my sin. And I acknowledge that I need a Savior. I can't save myself. And today I heard that Salvation through Jesus Christ is a gift. And God, I want to receive that gift right now. So God, the best way that I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. All of them. And every sin I ever will commit, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins. And I'm asking you to come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be the Lord and Savior of my life. I accept what you did for me on the cross. And through your resurrection, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. And from this moment, I want to serve you. I want to follow you. And I want to be transformed to be like you are. I want to be like you, fully human everything God intended a human being to be. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name.